0: you are listening to the to and out cfl podcast a proud member of
1: the canadian football podcast network so maybe manitoba isn't as it's not as bad as i as i have thought it was can can i get chicken
2: and pierogies instead of chicken and wedges
1: yeah. Oh, my God! Grab
2: some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the two and Out CFL podcast. Now they have to kick it out! And they do! Every week, Travis Kura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football. Bring you the latest in CFL news. And sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding?
0: This is unbelievable! Ready,
2: set, hook it. And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB Brazilian Tie. We are off to the CFL Twitter Awards final after uh, just barely beating the Eskimo Empire podcast in the semifinals. But we're trying to get our second ever CFL Twitter Award.
1: <laughs> Yeah, let's just try to act like we've been there before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not going to celebrate too much. Grey Cup Week at CFLT Awards on Twitter. Uh, they're going to put up a poll on their account, Grey Cup Week. And it's all Canadian Football Podcast Network members: BC Lions Den, Eskimo Empire, and Piffles Podcast. We are against those three fine podcasts, and uh, we'll we'll see who's going to win the Twitter award at the end of it all. Uh, we're going to be able to donate socks to a charity of uh, our choice if we do win that. So, if you do see that poll late November. She uh, throw two and out uh, a vote. Speaking of that Canadian Football Podcast Network, we're going to have three members of the podcast network on today's show. We are going to be talking to Cliffy uh, from the Alouettes Flight Deck. We're going to be talking to Will from Argos Fancast. And I do not know who we're going to be talking to from uh, the Eskimo Empire podcast, but uh, we'll surprise you with that (laughs) a little bit later (coughs) on. I do want to remind you, Grab your tickets for 2 Out Live because we're less than three weeks away from that happening at the CKUA building, downtown Edmonton, November 22nd, 3.30 in the afternoon, $10 for tickets, all in, no fees or anything like that, and they all go towards CFL fans. White cancer. Uh, that's a great event that happens at every Grey Cup. It's amazing what CFL fans do when they put their heads together. It actually is incredible. So if you want your 2 and Out Live tickets 2andOutLive.eventbrite.ca to grab them and we will see you in Edmonton on the 22nd Brazilian tie. Rumor has it your mom might be coming to 2 and Out Live.
1: I'm just hoping she doesn't know how to use Facebook and Twitter properly and it's an accident. She marked as going on Facebook. I know. I know. And for anybody that's worried that will not censor me. I have told worse stories in the presence of my parents at the wedding this past summer than what I will tell or say at this live show. Or so doom. no worries there I will not be censored or yeah. Or eat no, my mom. I don't tell my I don't tell my mom what I eat. I lie to her about that.
2: <laughs> mom, I all I had I was a salad, case. and I ate extra broccoli with my chicken, and
1: covered in salt.
2: <laughs> oh man! And speaking of <laughs> food and what we eat, the, you know what? I think the glory days are over where you can go and get discount candy the week after Halloween. You got 24 hours to 48 hours tops. I went in this morning Mm -hmm. hoping I'd be able to get about 60% off by now. Nothing. It has all been taken over by Christmas candy. You are a Grinch. I love Christmas. I might become a Grinch because it's taking me away from these amazing deals for at least a week after Halloween.
1: See, I didn't have to pay for any of the Halloween candy I ate this year because our boss went and bought four huge boxes, and we're still trying to finish four? it. <laughs> and then, And then he bought more, and then he keeps bringing back, like, donuts and cinnamon buns and stuff from the co-op. And so, like, I'm eating two donuts, ten boxes of Smarties, and, you know, some Sour Patch Kids every day, and I just feel awful. I've only had two Cokes in the last... 13, 14 days, thirteen days. So I guess you know I'm filling that void with something else now.
2: <laughs> you got to get the sugar some
1: way, man. <laughs> yeah, the, the cravings are gone, but I mean, if it's there, I'm not going to say no.
2: <laughs> All right, we got some news items to get through before we talk to our uh, uh, friends from the Canadian Football Podcast Network.
3: In the huddle with Karan Ty on the Two and Out podcast. All right,
2: well, the Riders coming out and saying that they have signed
1: Drew Tate. Because the quarterback situation didn't have enough injury problems already.
2: This one kind of comes out of left field a little bit. What does it say to you? It tells me that they're kind of worried about Zach Caleros and that they're really worried about their backup situation.
1: I think it says that that Claros is probably not 100 percent yet. Uh, there's still a chance with this week coming up that you know he could be he could be back in the lineup, and that Chris Jones, even though he signed Brian to the extension last off season, does not trust him to win a football game uh, in November in the CFL.
2: So Drew Tate, I guess he appeared in three games for the Red Blacks last year. The previous you know seven eight years before that was with Calgary, but he was with. the the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for a brief time, but never saw any game Mm -hmm. action with the team before his stint with the Stampeders. Off to uh, the next piece of news. It is uh, Peter Diakowski announcing his retirement after 11 CFL seasons, 10 of them with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. CFL's, uh, or Canada's smartest person. I think he's one of the Mm -hmm. best personalities in the game, and he was a great right guard, and we're not going to see the end of him as well because they had an interview with him on the sideline on Saturday, and it looks like he's still going to be involved with the Players Association,
1: which is a huge get uh, for those guys. You know, we 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 mentioned that you know Canada's smartest man, self-proclaimed a little bit as well, likes to pump his own tires, which I have yeah. zero problem with. Oh, and the uh, the prank he played on Regina and- media. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you know, having a former player in there, especially an old lineman who, you know, those guys take a beating and nobody really talks about it. But to have that guy go into bat for the player Association will be huge. Uh, and, you know, he's probably the only guy in Canada that could rival you in a pierogi eating contest.
2: Yeah. And uh, maybe we could make that happen at 2-0 Live. What do you think?
1: Well, it depends. Do you, We can get homemade pierogies because I have an in. Or we can get store-bought ones. Well, and here's the how thing. how you want to get.
2: Because if you're eating, if, if you're all about speed, it doesn't matter, you know, if they're homemade or not. Because, let's face it, you're not really enjoying them. And when you're in the eating You're not protest, really chewing
1: them either. You can't
2: fry them either because that, that slows down the speed. And I know that is blasphemous mm-hmm. to say. But the, the, those are the rules of the game if you want speed, man. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, just watching you eat pierogies just makes me feel sick. (laughs) Before we get off the pierogies, guess what 7-Eleven in Winkler has? Okay, what? Yeah, the 7-Eleven in Winkler, Manitoba has pierogies. Really? Like, yeah, in with the chicken. Oh, Oh my God. Yeah, so maybe Manitoba isn't as, it's not as bad as I I have thought it was. Yeah. Can I get yeah.
2: chicken and progies instead of chicken and wedges?
1: Yeah. Oh my god. And they always have the spicy wedges in stock too. Going to Manitoba. Like I might not I might not come home. <laughs> you finally found a reason to stay. Yeah, like this is the best.
2: <laughs> Before we talk about the games of the 2 and out CFL podcast fantasy group uh, on CFLFantasy.tsn.ca Druinator is the win. Is the winner. Uh, 2,046 points. So well done. I finished 18th in the group uh, out of 134. Where did Brazilian tie uh, finish? Uh, oh, 30th. So Not the worst. But there are some good fantasy players out there. Uh, well done, Druinator. And as far as pick goes, Crispy Guy is the uh, the winner on our Pick'Em group. He had over 11,000 points. I finished fourth in the group out of uh, 77 Brazilian tie. Let's
1: see. Would help if I made picks.
2: There were 77 people in the group. The thing only goes to 46. Oh, I found you at 28th. Well done, buddy. Well done.
1: Hey, that's not bad. That's top 30. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh,
2: quickly go through the top fantasy performers of the season per position.
1: Uh, well, we actually had a tie. Really? Uh, for receiver, for receiver, wow. uh, between Duke Williams, Brandon Banks, they both got a three hundred and eleven point nine, uh, which is crazy. No kidding. Uh, Andrew Harris, your top running back, at three hundred eight point one. Uh, William Powell at two hundred and forty three, so he's a little bit behind him there. Uh, and as for quarterbacks, of course, Mike Riley blew everybody away with four hundred and forty four. Uh, Jeremiah Masoli, though came in at second with 343.8. Uh, and just put that in perspective, like Bo Levi Mitchell had 317 fantasy points just from his passing, while Mike Riley had 306.5. Wow, that's so Mike interesting. Riley and, Mike Riley had 137.5 points from his rushing attempts, where Bo Levi only had 10.8. That's
2: interesting.
1: Yeah. And then as for the defenses, uh, the top four uh, fantasy defenses are all playoff teams. Uh, Saskatchewan with 193, Winnipeg 169, Calgary 153, and Ottawa 118. They actually tied Montreal with 118, uh, which is kind of surprising. Everybody's kind of grouped close after that. BC, Edmonton, Hamilton all within 11 points of each other. And then Toronto brings up the rear with 69 points to end the year. hey <laughs> Join 2 and out for CFL Fantasy and
3: CFL Pick'em, and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click CFL CFLFantasy.tsn.ca. Enough of talking about it. There has to be consequences. And Pick'em.cfl.ca. All right.
2: Yeah, we did have games this weekend. They did not matter except for one of them, so we'll go through them. Really, really quickly here. The first game of the week was the the Ottawa Red Blacks beating the Argos 24-9. The story of this game is John Gott running into the end zone after a touchdown and chugging a beer. How awesome was that? Envious. (laughs) It it looked like he had this planned. There, he said it was his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's true, but she had her cell phone up, handed him the beer, and it was one of the best things I had ever seen. It was
1: (laughs) the only. The only problem was is that it was a craft beer, (laughs) and he's not going to get fined. The CFL
2: has already said that, but uh, they opened up a can of worms when they did say you know, players are allowed to use props. I don't know if they expected mm-hmm. this. I'm going to assume that they'll put a booze clause into the rules in the off season.
1: I, I would tend to agree with that. Um, you know, in a game that meant literally nothing for either one of these teams, uh, everybody just wanted to get out of there without injuries if you're on the Red Blacks or the Argos. Uh, so he's not hurting anybody. It didn't slow down the game at all. If this is week 11, it's a bigger issue to me. Um, uh, but other than that, I don't see an issue with it. The Eskimos beat the Bombers 33 to
2: 24. How about Ryan Lankford's kicking 69
1: yards? That guy's uh, a he beast. actually made it onto barstool. <laughs> he actually made it onto barstool in the States. Pat McAfee, uh, had an Instagram video and, and tweeted it out too. So, I mean, that's just more publicity this week from, from another guy. Uh, in the CFL. Andrew Harris
2: finishes at the, as the CFL's leading rusher. Of course, William Powell didn't play on Friday. They just gave Harris the ball twice. He got his yards, and uh, uh, he's the leading rusher this season.
1: That's like pulling a guy to keep his average up yeah. so he can win the Triple Crown.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Montreal beats Hamilton 30-28 to after Liram Hirelahu missed a field goal to end the game. They're going to want some better uh, performances from Hyrule Lahu in the playoffs, but the Owls finished
1: the season on a, on a two game winning streak. Mm-hmm. The the end of that game was the prime example of trusting your defense. Like, you know, we always say, like, why are they kicking? And, you know, there's, there's not much time left, or, you know, they're, they're going to be able to run out the clock. Well, Montreal made a mistake. Hamilton was in a position to win the game, and it completely blew up in their face. Calgary
2: beats BC twenty six to nine to clinch first place in the Western Division. It sure looks like Bo has figured out how to play with this group of uh, receivers. Um, and amazing tributes to Wally Buono and very, very well deserved. I will say.
1: At more practice time and and more gameplay with the same group that he's had now for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, injuries haven't played a big part as of late, other than. The guys that are in there are only in there because of injury. And as for Wally Buono, I mean, what, what more can you say? Uh, you know, leading winner, or leading leading the group of coaches in wins. Uh, you know, his winning percentage is way up there, and, and five great cups. Like he, he's the greatest. There's just nothing else you can say about Wally.
2: Yeah, what can you say about? the GOAT. We're going to introduce our first guest right now, Cliffy D. Pine, the author of Al's Turnative and co-host of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast, also a member of the CFPN. Now, Cliffy, I know you're traveling home to Montreal uh, after the game you were at on Saturday. Uh, the Al's finished the season on a two-game winning streak. How is the feeling in Montreal heading into t- uh, 2019 in general?
4: In general, it's, it's a little hard to say because it was definitely good to finish on a relatively high note. Yeah, but I still see a lot of I see a lot of potential with this particular nucleus, but there's still a lot of unanswered questions. And I think this long this off is going to be really long in the sense that there's still a lot to get figured out. But I I, I I can't help but feel a little bit positive, so long as the pieces that are in place right now are given the chance to grow. And we saw the potential of that, uh, not just uh, last night, but also in the uh, game against Toronto to finish the home uh, the home series. I I got to admit, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen as far as uh, the, team, the, the direction this team goes and uh, what the future holds.
2: So, uh, I mean, we started the season with Drew Willie as the team's starting quarterback. Of course, Jeff Matthews was there, Antonio Pipkin. Now, heading into 2019, there's... Manziel, Pipkin, Vernon Adams, Jeff Matthews all under contract. Uh, as of right now, anyway, do you have any optimism at the quarterback position? Maybe more than you did earlier this year in June.
4: Well, i got to be honest with you. I didn't know what to make of Manziel. I'm, I, I, wouldn't, I won't say I'm on a, his bandwagon, per se, but obviously I want him to do well because if he does well, that means the Alouettes are doing well. And that's what I want above all else. So... I saw some improvement with him. Uh, I I still think uh, he's got to really figure out what he wants. He says he wants to come back. He still wants to be a part of this. And I think he's sort of come around to the CFL. So I think see what he does in the offseason, how he's going to prepare for himself. Is he really serious about being a part of the Canadian Football League and the LOS, or is he still kind of looking at this as a stepping stone to eventually back to the NFL or possibly one of the other leagues? That to me is a big question mark. I mean, If he is, then so be it, because I also do have a lot of faith in what Antonio Pipkin and Vernon Adams can do as quarterback position, as well as Matthew Schultz. as long as he continues to grow and develop as well as a quarterback. I think the quarterbacking situation in Montreal has been a bit of a, I, I, I jokingly call it on the podcast, a quarterback clown car. there so many of them. But I, I think with what they've got right now, as far as the quarterbacking core goes, I think there's a lot of potential there, and I'm really curious to see just how they're going to develop it in the years to come.
2: It kind of seems like Mike Sherman might be more of an Antonio Pipkin guy. Is that, is that fair to say?
4: I think so. I think uh, he sees a lot of potential here. I think he, like me, like I said at the start of the season, I had a feeling it was going to be Matthew Schultz and Antonio Pipkin trading reps. and think who's going to be the the future of the Alouette and they were going to take their lumps, which they certainly did throughout the season. Uh, To me, I'm really curious to see if if Sherman really does believe in Pipkin, or if he's still part of Team Manziel and wanting to sort of transition to Pipkin. To me, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens as far as, as I said, the quarterback development goes, because there's there's a lot of potential in all of the quarterbacks that are there. It's just a matter of how do we make that a reality? How how do we decide who's going to be the guy and Back him 100%. Because I think that was what's missing in 2018 Seattle West was there's so much misdirection and just uncertainty as far as the quarterback position goes that how can these players really develop and grow and get that chemistry going if you're changing quarterbacks on a weekly basis? And to me, that's the key right now is you got to pick a guy and go with it. Whether it's Manziel, whether it's Kepion, Adams, whomever, you got to take your guy and stay with him 100%.
2: And I think the general feeling from outside of Montreal is that, and I don't know if this is fair to say, but maybe the Wettenhalls kind of want Manziel to be the guy going forward. Is is that kind of the feeling in Montreal, too?
4: Well, I think the Manziel, or the, the, the Wettenhalls, they definitely call a lot more of the shots than people seem to want to give them credit for. It seems like a popular thing to do is every time the all would stumble, it's blame Kavis Reed, blame Kavis Reed. It's like, okay, and Kiva definitely deserves share the criticism, but I think the Wettenhalls are pulling a lot more of the strength than people are willing to either admit or pay attention to. And whether or not, they, they've never actually come out and said they were backing Mansell 100%, but I can't help but wonder if they still see the potential, if they, if they see the dollar bill still in their eyes as far as what Mansell can bring to the L O S and the Canadian Football League. Again, this is where the, the long the, the offseason is going to have to answer that question, and I'm, I myself am curious to see just what direction this is going to go.
2: I want to talk about, uh, I guess, three veterans on the Alouettes in Stefan Logan, uh, Chip Cox, and John Bowman. And I think John Bowman, probably the most celebrated veteran out of that group. But do you see any, all of them returning next season? I know John Bowman said he's probably 98% done, but he is uh, one of the greatest defensive linemen in CFL history, never mind in Alouettes history. Maybe say a few words at least about John Bowman. Oh, man, I, I I could talk for
4: hours about John Bowman. I, I think the world of him, he's just an absolutely wonderful man on and off the field. I spoke with him last week, actually, and I asked him, like, so, uh still 98%? And he kind of chuckled and said, yeah, still 98%. But uh, apparently yesterday he was kind of saying, like, you know what, I, I think i still got some stuff left in the tank. So Wow. I, I don't know if that's just the, the high of coming off the field and just the, the reality, like, oh, damn, the season is over. And maybe I'm not finished yet, so, like... I guess we'll see how the off goes, but uh, I, I can't help but wonder if uh, if maybe he is sort of reconsidering that 78% uh, done part. Uh, as far as Chip Cox and stuff on Logan goes, I, I I'm kind of of two thoughts of this. I mean, Chip overall had a, an okay year, but to me, he hasn't been the Chip Cox of say 2010-2014 when he was just right beast on the field and just one of the premier defensive players of the league. I think a lot of people, they hear the name Chip Cox and they think he's still that guy, but he really has not been that guy for the past couple of years. He's shown flashes of it this year, but uh, overall, I think Chip, uh, and I think deep down he'd have to admit to himself that maybe he's not quite the Chip Cox we all know and love, and I can't help but wonder if maybe now he's kind of realizing that maybe his time is done. Uh, as far as Stefan Logan, too, I mean, guy's got wheels for sure, but I mean, he's also too he's going to be 37 years old now, yeah. he's 38 going into camp. I have to wonder just how much really truly does he have left in the tank. And I haven't seen the special teams in Montreal really create too many lanes for him. I mean, yes, he did break off a great touchdown against the Riders a couple of weeks ago, but that's been it. Otherwise he's just been, I don't want to say mediocre, but he hasn't been the Stefan Logan that we come to expect as well. So I have to wonder too, if, if he does yeah. come back, like, how bad does he want it? And Montreal should also be looking at trying to get younger as far as the kick return position goes. There's definitely some speedsters on the team that give them the chance, can really do stuff. So I have to wonder too, if the defense is going to have to, if he doesn't step aside, if he's going to have to be sort of pushed aside,
0: if you will.
1: Since we're talking about players returning in particular, um, kind of shift gears back to the front office and the coaching staff. Looks like Kavis Reed will return next season. Um, You know, we don't know about Mike Sherman. looks like he wants to come back. Uh, like, do, do you think he got better as the season went on, or, or what are your thoughts on Mike Sherman's season as, as his first year as a full-time head coach in CFL? I think this season has definitely been a learning curve for him. I think he's,
4: of course, coming, came into this league with no experience in CFL whatsoever, and now he's got mm-hmm. 18 games under his belt. So I'm... Really not sure just really as far as his learning goes and how much he wants to continue learning as far as being a coach in the Canadian football league goes. So it's really hard for me to say. Part of me wants to say that like, ideally this position should have gone to someone with more CFL experience, but these players do respect him and they do believe in him. I've asked them numerous times, like, is the message getting through? It's like, yeah, it's getting through. And then, But the wins aren't coming through. So I think a lot of it is... They want to believe in him. They want to believe in the message that he's providing them. It's just a matter now of getting that message across and translating it to success on the field. So maybe it's just going to take time. Maybe it's going to take a little bit of tweaking here and there. And I'm hoping, too, if the team decides to keep Sherman, that he himself really truly commits to being a Canadian Football League coach, like really truly learning the nuances and really learning proper schemes that work better in the Canadian Football League versus to what he was used to in the NFL. That to me is going to be the cue as to whether he becomes a successful coach or not in this league.
2: And it kind of looks like the last two weeks. And I know the games really meant nothing in the standings, but that the team was out there and they were having fun and they were, you know, dancing after touchdowns and things like that. That kind of looked like a bit of a different team from earlier on in the year to me.
4: Yeah, absolutely. They, they, uh, uh, maybe it's just a matter of, you know, who cares? Just, uh, you know, throw caution to the wind. Let's just go out there and yeah. play our best football. It's like throw stuff against the wall, see what sticks. I think that attitude has sort of translated on the field, and it's worked. I think maybe they finally found that cohesion that they've been looking for all season, and it's just unfortunate it took 16 games for them to find it, but maybe they can take that going into the off season, and when they come back for training camp, remember what they had there, and they can build upon that and just sort of, again, little tweaks here and there, because I think for the most part they were starting to finally get it down together, Again, this this, could, this team has the potential to be really exciting if given the chance. I just think there's still little things that need to be done coaching wise, and players really have to really truly really connect and figure themselves out. For me, that's the key: like, developing that chemistry. And you saw that; like you saw that this team looked like they were having fun. Yeah, this team looked like they wanted to be together, and even. Uh, there's uh, a couple of players on their Instagram stories. You see them interacting in the locker room and everything. Like that. For all the people that are talking about how Johnny Manziel's hated in the locker room. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what. Like Johnny looks like he's having fun with his guys. So, I. If he's hated, man, these guys are doing a great job of hiding it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know Tyrell Sutton's a tough loss, but I mean, I think they kind of worked out because they got some good horses there in, the, you know, back and Pittman. But I, I want to talk about uh, going forward as far as just two more questions for you. It looks like next year they're going to be lowering capacity at the stadium by about 3,000 seats. Uh, w- what do you make of this? Um, and I know the team has struggled, and obviously that affects... Uh, attendance, but it looks like they've got a lot of cool ideas going there. I mean, they've got an all-you-can-eat <laughs> section. I want to know all about that, and you know what they have going on to the stadium. And is reducing capacity by three thousand going to create some demand in Montreal?
4: I think that's the hope is that by reducing it down to twenty thousand, suddenly you make this team a hot ticket, and I guess it'll be a lot easier for them to open up seats, if need be, if the demand truly is there. Because yeah. right now, yeah, with the team not performing as well as it can be, really drawing 16,000, 17,000 fans in the stadium, it looks very sparse on TV. So I can understand why they'd want to streamline it and just group people together so that you give that impression of it being a more full stadium. And believe me, like, even when the stadium only had 20,000 people initially, it was loud and it was rocking. But it was because the team was winning. So as long as the team can find a way to win games on a consistent basis, Fans will come back, and they'll come back. They'll make noise, and the demand's going to be there again. It's a matter of you got to give Montrealers an exciting product to watch because they want to cheer on a winner. They don't want to sit there and watch a team just step all over themselves. They want to see a team that can produce excitement. You don't have to win every game, but just produce a competitive, fun environment that gets people excited. Like that's what's going to get people back in the stands. And at that point, you do that consistently. That twenty thousand can go back to being twenty three in no time, and so on.
2: And finally, uh, we're looking ahead to 2020 now. Uh, Herb Zerkowski tweeted today that it looks like some Al's brass are going to be in Toronto on Tuesday, making its bid for the Grey Cup in 2020, being at the Big O. And I've heard people talk about it, at least out west, saying, you know, if there's a... uh, a threat of snow or anything like that at the Big O, that the roof is just not safe and a, a Grey Cup wouldn't work. What is the situation with Olympic Stadium? Are there some renovations planned? Have they done some work? Uh, what's happening on that front as far as hosting a Grey Cup game?
4: Well, that has always been the concern, is that the, roof, the the structural stability of the roof at Olympic Stadium, uh, I believe it's something like if they've allowed more than uh, five centimeters of snow or something like that. Like there's a risk that the roof could start to sag. So, with the breakup Cup being in late November, you just never know when the snow is going to fall. So yeah. if there's no there's no snow, there's no problem. But if there is snow, then are we going to have people up on the roof just clearing it off just to make sure it stays intact for the game to take place? I mean, this is a this is something that I'm sure that the team itself has had to do a lot of research on and i'm guessing they must have because if they're going ahead with this great cup in 2020 they must have a lot of faith that one the olympic installations board is going to sink some money some more money into the stadium to ensure the structural stability is there and with the hope that it is then yeah i could definitely see another great cup in montreal which uh, i've been told by a lot of people that they want to come back to montreal for a great cup because again montreal is a fun city uh, getting 66,000 fans into the Olympic Stadium for a Grey Cup, it's always been a party. Every time they've had a Grey Cup in Montreal, it's always been a party at the stadium. And I think a lot of fans definitely want to see the East do well as well. So as far as I'm concerned, this could be a win-win. I mean, I'm I'm believing if they've gone ahead and they're going to be doing this meeting with the league to present a bit for the 2020 Grey Cup, they must have done their research, and they must believe that, or at least they are hoping on that, Maybe even if the season starts a little bit sooner, maybe this won't even be an issue as far as uh, the, you know, any sort of snow or inclement weather affecting the roof of the Olympic Stadium. So I'm curious to see how this is going to go, and uh, I think it would be pretty cool, actually, to be honest with you, to have another great cup in Montreal.
2: Yeah, I uh, I've, I've only been to Montreal once. I I went to a Habs game. I went to Schwartz's. I I had some poutine. I <laughs> I'm hoping to get back for a full week for the Grey Cup. Uh, Cliffy, you're going to be in Edmonton for the Grey Cup, right?
4: Uh, still, actually, a bit of a game time decision. for me. Okay, I, awesome. I I've got a I still got to get my credentials and all that in order. So I'm 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 hoping against that, that everything's going to work out. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what. Uh, Edmonton's going to do this year as far as Grey Great Cup goes because I was there in 2010 for the Great Cup and had a blast, and now we've seen how the league has grown in like nine years almost. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting time, Great Cup. It always is, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing everyone.
2: Awesome, Cliffy. Uh, where can two and out listeners and everybody find more of your stuff?
4: Uh, well, you can definitely check out the Alouettes Flight Deck podcast. Uh, you can find that on Twitter at Alouettes FL Deck, or you can go to the website www.alouettesflightdeck.ca If you'd rather read my thoughts on the Alouette, you can do so over at uh, www.alternative.com And uh, if you want to sauce me a follow on Twitter, that'd be awesome. I'm at Cliffy D C-L-I-F-F-Y-D Awesome. Thanks so
2: much for coming on the podcast and safe travels uh, back to Montreal from Hamilton. All right.
4: Already, thanks again for having me.
2: Thanks again to Cliffy e. D Pine for coming on the podcast. Now let's uh, welcome Will to the show. He's from the Argos Fan Cast. He also runs Argofans.com It's a great message board to talk everything Argos. Now uh ah, the Argos finished four and fourteen this season after winning the Grey Cup a year ago. And I know this kind of seemed like it was going to be the year where Ricky Ray was going to help groom an up and coming quarterback. But Will, what else went wrong in Toronto?
0: Well, I think you have to look at um, the departure of Corey Chamberlain in the uh, off-season to go back south due to personal reasons. This happened fairly late in the off-season, and the the Argos were forced to promote Mike Archer, who had, I guess, done a good job with the linebackers in 2017, but had very uh, he had little CFL experience beyond that one year, and um, the defense just never got on track. Uh, the, I think if you look at some of the stats, they had the fewest sacks in the league. They allowed the most passing yards, and I think they allowed the most rushing yards. So, if you have to point at one specific area that really stuck out, you know, after the Ray injury crippled the offense, was the defense.
2: And I guess that just shows how. You know, valuable Chamberlain was as the D coordinator last year, and I know there were some injury issues with, you know, Bear Woods and things like that, but I think Chamberlain might have done a lot with what he was given a year ago.
0: Yeah, so to, my hope was that even though Archer was inexperienced, I kind of figured that the other veterans they had on yeah. the defense would make up for that, but that wasn't the case.
2: So a day after the season, uh, normally this stuff happens, you know, after the Grey Cup, but, I mean, there were still games to be played in the season, and Toronto relieves Mark Tressman of his coaching duties. Are you, are you yeah. a bit surprised of the the timing of it all?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, apparently they did it at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, Wow, Saturday morning, and uh, we were sort of... Uh, expecting there you know the Argo fan base expected there to be some changes I don't think they expected it to be quite as soon as it it did uh, so certainly the timing was a surprise not necessarily the move that was made though yeah
2: now I, I know we won't know the full story but talk about some of what went wrong with Tressman. I know we've heard that Tressman hasn't jived with MLSC. I'm sure Pop didn't like Tressman switching to McLeod Bethel Thompson so quickly. Uh, the Deron Carter situation. Seems like a lot has gone on
0: here. I, I think he really couldn't adapt to the, the injury situation that presented itself. Um. I think he was trying to turn Jayden Franklin into a bit of a pocket passer. Okay. Where I'm not sure Franklin's the fastest quarterback out there, but he's a guy who can move the pocket certainly and scramble around a little bit. So I think with the quarterback situation, it was more of a, a trying to put a, a square into a round hole, where the the fit wasn't necessarily there with. Uh, They tried to make James Franklin play quarterback like Ricky Ray plays quarterback, and obviously that's not the style. Now, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I think, played a little more of a Ricky Ray style, but it became evident that uh, after a few early wins that while he may be a serviceable backup, he had trouble uh, with his deep ball accuracy, and you know as, as losses mounted up, people were really questioning Tressman well why isn't he putting Franklin back in and the Carter situation is, is it's a bit of a um a sticky one because yeah that was sort of the guess early in September that Tressman wanted uh, excuse me pop wanted Carter but Tressman didn't want Duron Carter and we sort of saw. You know, didn't really use Deron Carter a whole lot, and um, but you've also, I mean, people have pointed out during games that Carter, you know, has been the last person in the huddle. And they also didn't see is you know the effort there, so that's a bit of a you know a, a sticky point with some. But I mean, it, it, it was interesting to hear uh, Pop and Bill Manning mention the quarter. Uh, on Carter specifically as a point of uh, you know, disagreement with Tressman, is it kind of possible that uh,
2: Manning wanted Carter out there because he's kind of a marketable guy with a with a great personality? And I know he could be polarizing when he was in Saskatchewan. Who's um, <laughs> he, he was a love or hate guy, but the kids love him. He likes talking to the kids and signing autographs and things like that. Is do you think Manning Manning kind of wanted Carter to be the face of the? The team uh, for the rest of the season. I don't
0: know if you wanted him as the face, but I, I think yeah. I mean, he's of course Pop handles the football operations, and Bill Manning handled the um, uh, the off-field stuff. And yeah, yeah I think he saw Tressman is not um, not coaching the team to. You know, and let's admit it: there wasn't a lot of excitement with this team. No, the offense was stale, the defense was vanilla, and you know, when, when a team like the Argos who are having as much trouble selling tickets as it is, this doesn't uh, help them at all.
1: Who would you like to see coaching the Argos next year? Or even who do you think would be a good fit to take over that role for the for the 2019 season?
0: Well, I mean depending on uh how Hamilton handles it, I'd like to see Orlando Steinauer come in. Uh he's a guy I mean he mm. as a player at least, he's he, you know, just as known as an Argonaut, uh than a tie cat and uh you know, he's supposed to be the next uh, uh valuable coaching candidate and bring him in and then put uh tommy condell is sort of like the the offensive guy is you know steinauer is more of a defensive guy and sort of let steinauer run the
1: ship kind of related to the head coaching it, it usually you know quarterbacks and coaches are go hand in hand uh, are you comfortable with franklin and bethel thompson coming back and being uh the two prominent quarterbacks in the ne- next season uh,
0: no, I, I'm not ready to give up on James <laughs> Franklin, though. As I said, I'd like to see him in, in a system that's more uh, flexible and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for his skill set. But, by, you know, you're sort of uh, leading me down another path and saying that uh, you're, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of free agent quarterbacks out there this yeah, year. Yeah, there is. <laughs> um, and... You know, may not be wise for the Argos to pass up on one of them, especially if... Um,
2: yeah, it kind of seems like Mike Riley would be a guy that would probably get nine offers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think in the next <laughs> season. I think everybody would like him. It's easy to say that, I think. Wow, well, for sure. Uh, Ricky Ray is pondering his future right now. Of course, he got hurt. Yeah, I guess in week 2 against yep. Calgary and I, we can argue about whether he should have been in the game or not cuz I think they were down right. 33 points. Yep. Do you do you think he'll be playing anywhere next season? I
0: I really hope not.
2: Do you do you think he should have played this year at all? It, it kind of seemed like I mean Henry Burris went out on top the year before and Ricky Ray could have done the same. I, I kind of would have liked to have seen that.
0: Uh, yeah, in theory, I sort of was of the opinion that, you know, play one more year, groom Franklin, and then, yeah. I can start in 2019. Uh, the difference, I think, with with Ottawa that one year is you had Trevor Harris waiting in the wings, whereas the Argos didn't necessarily have someone who was quite as proven. Right. I sort of was, you know... Try, you know, and, and remember, the beginning, of the, you know, preseason, the Argos were a, a trendy pick to come out of the East. They so. were. <laughs> yep. So it, it's, yeah, at it high, high, you know, obviously hindsight says no, he shouldn't have come back, but I had no problems with him coming back at the time. Uh, what
2: do you know about the changes at BMO Field heading into next year? Kind of, are they going to go with a turf grass? Like sort of hybrid? I know people want the end zones to be changed, but it doesn't yeah. look like that's going to happen, does it?
0: I think they're changing the, the, the turf uh, uh, entirely, because I saw a picture and it's all been sort of ripped out. You know? Oh, already? Yeah, and, and Pop, I, I guess they, they did talk with Jim Pop when they were like consulted with them about the grass. Uh, I don't know much more than that, but yeah, I mean, there was definitely changes needed to be to be made because uh, you just saw the players on. I, mean, I think it was much more pronounced this year. Players on Twitter, um, complaining about the turf and all that.
2: Yeah, well, hopefully they get that uh, uh, figured out. And yeah. I know <laughs> we don't have to listen to the TFC players complaining about it anymore. <laughs>
0: Oh, no, I've had my fill of that.
2: <laughs> All right, well, uh, thanks for coming on and talking about uh, the Argos this season. Where can people find uh, more of you?
0: All right, well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at ArgoFans or at www.argofans.com. I'd also encourage people to check out the Twitter account for the Argos Fancast, uh, and that's at, at Argos Fancast. And, uh, we do our show about every Tuesday.
2: Awesome, Will. Thanks so much the, for taking the time to come on to and out.
0: No problem. Have a good day, guys.
2: Thanks, Will, again for coming on the podcast from the Argos Fancast. Before we talk to superfan Mike, we got to talk and say thank you to ATB Financial. They've got the new podcast, We Are Alberta. It actually just launched, let's see here, in September. And the new one is going to come out. It is going to be next Tuesday on the 13th. Uh, It's hosted by ATB economist Nick Ford. Uh, He explores Alberta's geography, businesses, and organization. And it's diverse and fascinating people all through an economic lens. Smart guy, great podcast. So check it out. ATB.com slash We Are Alberta. It's ATB.com slash We Are Alberta. Now, Superfan Mike, yeah, you're in Edmonton, Alberta. And is it true that the Eskimos are the first nine win team to miss the CFL playoffs? It's true. Sad, so. So. You know, I know missing the playoffs in you know uh, a Grey Cup hosting year, uh, it almost I think makes it seem like a, uh, a bigger issue than maybe it is. There are some really good teams in the West. Somebody had to miss the playoffs, or are, are, are you disgruntled? Are you angry? Or is everybody kind of? I know it sucks to miss the playoffs, and I don't want to call it overreacting, but I mean nine yeah. wins—that's not—it's that's
3: not that bad. It's not terrible, but to be fair, the game against Winnipeg—it was almost like a preseason game. We were playing a lot of second and third stringers, especially on offense. That's true. Um, I think the biggest problem is, sure, we're hosting the Grey Cup, but I mean, in 2015, Winnipeg was hosting the Grey Cup. They didn't make it. Toronto's missed out. Ottawa's missed out a few times. So it happens. The biggest problem is, even at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were predicting Edmonton could be in a home Grey Cup, starting off the season pretty well. You know, five and two. And then the wheel just fell off. And I and, think and the biggest shock was it was our offense at the end of the year that was letting us down.
2: So what was the biggest issue, you think, uh, of the season? I was talking to Andrew yesterday, and he basically said, you know, the three non-playoff teams, the common denominator there is the poor offensive
3: line. Is that the issue in Edmonton? No, I mean, the game is won and lost in the trenches, right? So that certainly doesn't help my personal philosophy is that but- We lost our offensive coordinator, Carson Walsh, who went to the, you know, Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. You can't blame him.
2: He did okay, yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, but it was right before the training camp. So at that point, there really wasn't a whole lot of time to find a replacement given Moss's very complex scheme. So he kind (laughs) of took the reins himself, and I think if he had uh, have an offensive coordinator. These a he's got someone to bounce ideas off of who can say no. You don't kick a field goal on first down. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know not only that, but they can focus specifically on the offense and allow Moss to sort of manage his coordinators and everything else.
1: And speaking of issues, there is a lot of questions heading into the off season, uh, including MOP and franchise quarterback Mike Riley. Uh, if you're a betting man, do you think Riley will be back next season? Well, I think
3: it's really a two-horse race for Riley's services now between B.C. and Edmonton. Um, Edmonton's mm-hmm. advantages are that uh, this is his team. He's basically yeah. it's been built around him, and it's been built from the ground up from 2013 till now. Um, I know that he's got a lot of guys that have gone to war for him, and, and one thing that um, most people don't think about is that he understands that he has not only his own fate, but... The fate of his, co- his teammates in his hands as well if he goes. The course of course, he adventures to BC. He's very close to his family. His best friend would be his backup. And uh, if you listen to his MOP speech, the first guy he thanked was Ed Hervey.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Do, do you see any? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, any other players you could see gone? Like Duke Williams, you have to think we'll, we'll have a tryout or will want to try out in the NFL. Uh, any, any other. Uh, Things you can see happening with this roster? Yeah, I mean, you're certainly
3: going to see some turnover. You see turnover on every team every year. Yeah. I think you're going to see. I-, I don't know if Nate Bahar is going to be back. I know that there was a lot of problems when he originally signed his contract. People may recall the just uh, <laughs> we I am slave." <laughs> oh, Sid came out, and of course he missed training camp in his first year. Uh, I don't think he got used a lot, so he's probably going to want it or something like that. The one person to be most worried about is Kwaku Bochang. This is a guy that's from the East.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: He is at the end of his contract, and I would hate to see him go, especially after he certainly really break out in his sophomore year. But if he wants to be close to home, not sure we can do to stop him.
2: And there, there are rumblings that uh, you know Brian Mitchell wasn't happy here. He finally got his shot, and you know he showed what he could do the back half of the season. But we've also got. Uh, Darrell Walker as a free agent after the season. It's quite possible that this team loses their top three receivers. I mean, if they lose Mike Riley, does that kind of uh, start the domino game? And the Eskimos are in full rebuild mode.
3: I think that's the key right there. Is everyone's waiting to see what Riley does. Riley comes back. I think that you're going to see the receivers want to play with him. I I sort of labeled Riley the kingmaker. If you look at the top receivers or, you know, the top two receivers over the past four years, they've been catching passes from Mike Riley.
2: Now, there's been conflicting, you know, reports on what's happening with Jason Moss. Um, Some uh, media guys are saying that uh, Brock Sunderland has been interviewing assistants and coordinators, and then Brock Sunderland on Sunday saying... That is complete bull. <laughs> uh, to quote him. <laughs> but uh, w- what, th- I mean, you probably don't know any more than anybody else, but I mean, what's going on there?
3: Yeah, I- I'm glad to hear the angry elk make an appearance. <laughs> That's uh, probably something that we would have had a lot of uh, if this would have been done yesterday or yesterday right. after Calgary. Um, you know, I think that Brock has to tread lightly there. He can't interview any candidates now. Tampering it's tampering. Technically, yeah. So- um, mm-hmm. the biggest thing with Jason Moss is we don't know with this new cap for coaches for lack of a better term coming in if we let Moss go will his salary count against the cap and therefore instead of $2.3 million whatever in change we have $1.8 million in change if he's making that kind of money um, I believe he signed for a two year extension which I think would pay them to the end of 2020 so even with the caveat that you can have one salary not count for one year, that doesn't cover twenty twenty. So that still hamstrings us.
2: It is a very interesting thing to see if they put this into place because coaches they usually do get fired with, you know, a year left on their deal because coaches and GMs don't like to go into a season as a quote unquote free agent, right?
3: You don't want to have that lame duck last season for sure.
2: So yeah, well. J- Jason Greger says that that they haven't technically voted in this personnel cap. It'll probably happen, but we don't know if, you know, if somebody gets fired, if they're still going to count towards it or not, or if they're going to sort of have a, uh, you know, one exemption in five years or something like that.
3: Right. I think that's what they're probably still working on is those fine strokes on the on document. But there's just so many different possibilities that we've seen. I mean, how many coaches are they going to allow? How many coaches are in Saskatchewan right now?
2: Yeah, I, I heard they have a meteorologist. They, they, they have a weather guy, so Jones knows what's going to happen on Sunday. Like, it's it's insane what they do there.
3: That's just brilliant. <laughs> you know, <let's>
2: <laughs> hey, I mean, Environment Canada, they they lie to us all the time. you got to hire your own guy, man.
3: I'm just going to say, <laughs> isn't your your meteorologist, come on.
2: <laughs> so when I read... You know, online from Eskimo fans and even, you know, the message board, Yep, there are fans that want Len Rhodes gone. And it seems exactly. like there are a lot of Eskimo fans that want him gone. And it all stems back to the firing of Ed Hervey.
3: I think some of it's even before that. Oh, okay. Uh, Len Rhodes sort of came in just right before Ricky Ray was let go. And he went to the media and said, I signed off on this. And that
2: I mean,
3: guy, that just did not endear him to the Edmonton faith for sure. He's not really a football guy. He came from, you know, he was working for uh, hockey, you know, selling hockey sticks at one point, marketing hockey sticks, uh, which, I mean, let's face it, marketing hockey sticks, to Canadians, how hard can that be?
1: Taylor made, sells hockey sticks, like, and they, they make, they make a killing and they're a golf company. So it can't be that hard. <laughs> yeah. Watch well,
3: just it, Right. So, uh, that was, yeah. I think that was sort of the beginning there, and then letting Ed Herbie go, who was very popular, being a former Eskimo, being a lifetime Eskimo, as you were, mm-hmm. living in the community around, that kind of thing. So uh, that certainly hasn't helped. And I, I just don't think when he let Tillman go, uh, he said it was for no specific reason, which I think was a misquote, uh, or <laughs> a slip of the tongue, for sure. I, I think he, what he meant to say was there was no one specific reason. It was a bunch of things, but... Of course, the media took it and ran with it. And then when they let Herbie go, it was, you know, again, saying winning isn't everything. He, maybe he's not good at these press conferences. <laughs> well, that's just it. You know, you don't see a lot of presidents from other teams. I'm not sure why you're seeing Rose as much.
2: Wow. So, yeah, he seems like he's uh, kind of front and center. And I know fans kind of accuse him of being out of touch with, you know, getting you know, I don't know, some older rappers uh, to play halftime shows and things like that. But I don't know. I kind of give him credit for trying something. Uh, It's better than the old, you know, super dogs running around the end zone, isn't it? Hey, I love those dogs. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, well, Superfan Mike, thanks for coming on to talk about the Eskimos. i got to ask you, uh, you're a part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and you did talk about it on the Eskimo Empire podcast, but uh, what do you got going on for Grey Cup? I know you've got uh, some cool things cooking, and uh, actually, we're going to be a part of it.
3: Absolutely. The uh, finalized uh, product just went off to of the printers. We are producing, for the first time ever, Canadian Football Podcast Network trading cards. I love this. You can get a trading card of all 33 of your favorite podcasters, plus a team cards for each podcast. Uh, it's going to be available at Grey Cup and then through your uh, favorite podcasts and everything else. And uh, I think it's just going to be a lot of fun, just something to remember Grey Cup by, and uh, you never know, maybe someone will come up and get a Travis autograph.
2: I got to say, man, I uh, my card might be worth, like, you know, 50 cents, because it... <laughs> I am eating a foot-long hot dog from BC Place. <laughs> it is what, like, if I was going to be on a card, which I now am, it's exactly what I want. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I think both of our cards pretty much summed everything up.
3: <laughs> you know, the Lion's Den one's going to be a great one because uh, Mojo Camp's you know, posing as a cheerleader, so that'll be a popular one, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> know what
2: <he> <laughs> I cannot wait to see all of these uh, super fan f- I almost called you Superman Fike. Or Super- Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on. And where can we get uh, more of you, the podcast, and everything else you do uh, for the Eskimos?
3: Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you can find us at, at EskEmpire.ca or on Twitter at EskEmpirePod. And then uh, if you want to follow me and chat at me and everything else, just find me at 56parkies.
2: Hey, and you got Esk's history, don't you?
3: Yeah, we got the Ask Esk History account, so we do a little uh, spot the Esk History moment on the podcast every week.
2: All right, buddy. Hey, thanks for coming on and taking the time.
3: Thanks again, guys.
2: All right, Ty. That uh, wraps up another podcast. Thanks to our uh, Canadian Football Podcast Network brethren for helping us out. And we've got the playoffs coming up, so we've got a preview show coming up on Thursday talking about semi-final Sunday. It will be the BC Lions in Hamilton to take on the Tiger Cats and the Bombers in Regina to take on the Riders. How awesome will that be?
1: And it's a long weekend, so, I mean... It's Labor Day in November, man! Yeah, it's a little crazy. Uh, If I see anybody without a poppy, though... At the games, I'm going to be a little choked.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit different of a situation. I guess November 12th, uh, there are no you know, ceremonies or anything like that. But, of course, uh, I know on Remembrance Day, everybody's going to be making drives in for the games. I, uh, I uh, encourage you to take a moment to reflect. I know radio stations, I work at one. We're going to have features mm-hmm. on as well. But grab yourself a poppy. And I'm pretty sure at the stadium, they'll be doing... Uh, Uh, some ceremonies, you know, pre-game beforehand as well. It's the CFL, and, uh, you know, we can all get together, celebrate our freedom, celebrate Canadian football on Sunday. I think that's what it's all about, man. Absolutely. Awesome. We are also a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Make sure you check out the website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Let me tell you, uh, there are so many podcasts on there. You're going to find something that really, really interests you. I got to give a shout out to... You know, a lot of the network. I know they came out and they helped us out in the CFL Twitter Awards. Uh, so thank you to any of the Alberta Podcast Network pods that helped us out. Uh, hockey is in full swing. So whether you like junior hockey, uh, NHL hockey, just check out uh, the pods that they have on the Alberta Podcast Network. There's the Fourth Line podcast, Hockey Feels. Um, it is hosted by an Oilers fan and a Flyers fan. So you kind of know how hockey makes those guys feel. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, just a little passionate. But hey, if, if if I got one piece of advice, don't take the Oilers minus one and a half on a Saturday night.
2: <laughs> and then the fourth line, WHL Cast, Alberta Podcast Network. .com. Uh, have yourself a good week. We'll talk to you Thursday as we get ready for the playoffs. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.